Hello and welcome. You're listening to episode 171 of PHP Ugly. I am your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me, my partner in crime, John Condon. Hello, hello. Hey, did you ever uh, tweet this out? I don't think you did. It tweets out automatically now. Oh, look so, at you! Uh, if you go to if you go to twitter.com slash phpugly, we're actually streaming there now. We stream on Periscope. So, uh, yeah, we should we should retweet that still. So let's get and get that going. Mm-hmm. Back behind the mic. Back behind the mic. PHP podcast, <laughs> doing it live. <laughs> so just you and I tonight, man. I know. Hope Thomas is doing all right. He decided yeah. to bail. Guess he had too much turkey. He's uh, he's still recovering from turkey, I guess. But um, it's cool. It's cool. We got stuff to talk about. Uh, we can actually talk about business, man. People are always asking us about our business, so business there's so much stuff to talk about so we've been converting people over to employees you've done an outstanding job at coordinating that um Dang. are we are we done now are we do we officially have employees starting january 1st well i was going to talk to you about that i think we're going to have to start them a tiny bit sooner okay why is that uh going to figure out the the first pay period but the way we are doing pay periods, I think it overlaps the month a little bit. So we may do it so it's a full pay period on their first paycheck versus doing contractor pay up until the 31st. Because ultimately what matters is the year they're paid in, not when they worked. Oh, okay. So we would still be paying them next year, but for work they did this year. Right. Which is what which would have happened anyway as a contractor, but that way the the pay periods aren't funky. Right, right. That make, that makes actually a lot of sense. So cool. How how's it feel? You feel any different now having employees? You, you know, I do for sure. It feels more like a real business, at least to other people's perception. It feels that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a good feeling. I'm super happy about it. I think I'm more weirded up about hiring employees now. We had that yeah. where we we put an offer out to somebody. They kind of turned us down, sort of. They wanted us to match an offer that they, they got from another place. And I was like, right. mm, good, good luck. <laughs> but, I mean, but even even despite that, as contractors, we always had the option to – stop a contract with with no mm-hmm. explanation to why we can just say hey you know thanks for your services you know see you later but now with employees we we have different protocols in place right we have to nope. give reason yeah you can give reason but the reason is we don't have a contract for you mm-hmm. like if if we don't have the work to for you as an employee we don't have to keep you on mm. so well, in the past, it was, hey, we have a contract from a client, and then we bring people on to kind of work that contract. And it has luckily worked out where we've kept people well past that. Now it's, if we have a big contract and we need additional people, we can bring them on mm-hmm. and hope it's the same way it has been for the past six years where they get to stay on long term. Like, it's not going to be a, you finish this contract and you're gone. Right. But if contracts are dried up tomorrow and we just didn't have the work, you can still let people go. That's it's an at a what is it, at will state? Right right to work state, is it? Right to work. Stuff? Yeah, something like that where yeah. you know we we still have the ability to let people go because of downsizing is what it would be at that mm. point. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Yeah, you know, I, I think I'm probably more guilty of this than you are, but like when people turn us down for positions, 
I like taking it. I take it personally. <laughs> it's like, a, what do you mean, no? <laughs> yeah, I, I I hear you on that, but I don't feel that way. It's like you know, when when somebody's out looking for work and they have multiple interviews, they have to turn somebody down. You know, and with what we were hiring for, we weren't gonna we weren't gonna go up to that pay scale, right? You know, right. But so. I mean, we do we do have another junior developer queued up, which is going to be a, a new experience for us. I don't know how much detail we go into this because it was such a weird experience with that one. Yeah, that's I, a pretty weird one. We might, <laughs> we might want to hold no, off on talking about that. <laughs> no, I think it, I think it's still fine to talk about. Yeah, it, it, it happens. Yeah. Uh, the The short story is we had to have a client that. They one of their employees, not a developer. I mean, he he does development on the side and has done a tiny bit for this, this client. But he was really in basically sales and operations, right? Bringing clients on board to uh, getting them set up. But what we later learned is he's really wants to be a developer. He has a side project. He wants this is what he wants to do. And he quit his job with our client in order to pursue development. And when the client told us, we're like, Hey, we're kind of looking for a junior developer. Maybe would you be okay with us hiring him? And they gave the their blessing, which was great because in our contract with this client, we are not allowed to hire their employees without written permission. Right. So when I, when I read that, I was like, Oh uh, yeah, we're not, doing anything until we <laughs> have something in writing here yeah yeah it, it was just such a weird uh it, it happened i think i think we found out about him leaving our client like a couple days after we had just extended the offer to the other junior developer and it was just like a weird aligning of, of stars because at first i was like when our client had told us this i'm like man Damn, I wish we had known about this a few days ago because I had worked with him in the past and I'm like, you know, he's a decent developer. I think, you know, I think we can teach him to be a better developer. And uh, in fact, you actually gave him access to Laracast and some other yeah. other yeah. resources to, to become a better developer, not for us, but just in being a nice guy. You're like, hey. But, yeah, be, you know, because I, I saw he was passionate about it. I mean, he mm -hmm. enjoyed doing it. And, um, yeah, so it was just like, then I talked to you. I'm like, hey, you know, this is what I just heard. <laughs> and you're kind of like, well, you know, let's look at the budget. I think we can still squeeze squeeze him in if you want to, if he's interested. Uh, you know, at that time, we you know, we hadn't even, we really didn't even know what his plans were. Um, but yeah, it it was just a weird thing. I reached out to him and was like actually surprised about how excited he was that you know we even thought to reach out to him. Actually, so, yeah. one of, I think one of the one of the catalyst I don't know if it was a catalyst per se, but one of the driving things was he was doing some coding already or giving you information. You're like, if I just teach him how to do this properly, I don't have to redo his work. <laughs> That's, that's totally right. Me being a completely lazy developer, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I can actually you're, get him to do this correctly. He's like 75% of the way there. If you... <laughs> Let me make this easier on myself. Yeah, and he's so, yeah, a smart it, guy. You know, we've, we've actually been working with him for the last few years. So we, we know him. We know how he works. We know his mentality and stuff. So it was... Uh, it's cool. I'm I'm actually really excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited about everything the the employees, the benefits, the you know running this company a little bit differently than we have in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, the benefits was a little weird because you know we're trying to offer health insurance and the the carrier is coming back saying, well, we need uh, six weeks of payroll data. I'm like, I don't have six weeks of payroll data. I have contractors. I'm converting. They're like, too bad. This is what we need. So really? basically, basically now we have to uh, delay insurance until February first instead of January first. 
<laughs> but end of day, it's not that big of a deal. It's just kind of like a like, come on, I've got six years of data. Six, I could show you. I've been paying people for years. Yeah. Why? Why is that not good enough? But yeah, they yeah, have like, their rules. Like you said, I think it just adds to the the, the legitimacy of the business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, cool. And it's funny because you you actually brought up some concepts that like I, I wanted to kind of throw th- throw by you again and talk about, but one of the concepts you brought up to me was you know, as we were figuring out benefits and PTO and sick leave and all that was the uh, unlimited, I think you called it unlimited PTO. Mm-hmm. Explain to me again how that works <laughs> because it really terrified me when you said it. <laughs> From my understanding, companies that offer it, they don't, people don't take advantage of it. And I guess if people do, if they're not getting their work done and they seem to be taking advantage of it, you let them go. I'm sure you give some sort of warning like, hey, I've noticed you've been doing this. You know, we're going to document that we've talked to you about it. And if it continues, because, again, with employees, you have to have cause and Mm -hmm. everything needs to be documented. So you've got to document. You talk to them about it. You gave them an opportunity to change it. But from what I understand, people just they kind of understand they know where the limits are and they don't take advantage of it. Would this have been paid time off or just t- time off without pay? No, it's paid time off. It's yeah, I'm it's glad we, we tr- didn't do that one. <laughs> it, it's we we trust you enough to take a reasonable amount of time off for yourself and still get paid. It, it's a it's a weird concept, but I guess it works. I I would be I would entertain the idea. Of like a four day work week before I entertained that, just because yeah. you, there's there's so much more to to police to kind of police there. It's yeah, I don't know. I mean, man, that would be appealing. Like, I'm thinking if I didn't own the company, if I went to a company and they said, "Oh yeah, we have unlimited PTO," I yeah, that would definitely be a draw. And like you said, <laughs> even if I never used it, it would just I would just be like, "That's awesome." Yeah. Does it roll over? I, <laughs> I I think it I don't know how well it would work in a company like ours. It would work great in a sales role where you have right metrics. You, you metrics that you got to hit. You you got to bring yeah. in so much revenue or you got to increase certain margins. In that case, I see it being a lot easier to police. And it's like it's like Hell, I got to bring in ten grand a month in in monthly recurring revenue, and I brought in twenty in the last couple of months. I deserve to take time off, you know. Yeah, yeah. Especially like you said, you know, you know, you've worked extra hours or something trying to close a big deal, or right. So, but uh, I I still think we're being very generous with the PTO that we are offering. So, bottom line, it doesn't. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, basically, really the PTO we were offering, if somebody were to take more time off than that, they'd get a talking to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, am I, am I wrong? Yeah. yeah. I, guess, I guess the only thing, and what, we we, what we hadn't talked about is, I mean, we hadn't talked about maternity, paternity leave. Which, again, in the unlimited PTO thing, I, I can see with that. Oh, yeah, I had a kid this year so i'm going to take off two three weeks because i just created this new life i want to bring yeah into the we world. didn't we didn't talk about it but it's in our handbook yeah okay <laughs> right, that's good i forget i forget where what i ended up doing there then we I gotta, have a handbook Woo! <laughs> yeah it's uh as of the i finished it but it, it takes time to generate so i wasn't able to download it and i haven't been back in there since so I have to go download it and send you a copy. Cool. Kind of, kind of along the same topics of business and running a business. Your thoughts, pros and cons of having an office. I'm still, still so hard because we are still in the mindset of contractors. So everyone works from home. Mm. 
for me, it's a convenience thing. I work from home most of the time. Mm. So I really don't know. I think if we were to continue growing and adding people, having an office would be nice. But like the guy we just hired, he's off in what, Boise? Boise, yeah. But it was interesting. The other one who turned us down, he had already, he'd already stated that, oh, no, I, I would be coming into the office every day. Yeah. It's like, it, it was because we were like trying to convince him. It's like, you know, you don't have to do that. No, no, no. That's that's how I work. That's how I want to work. It's like, okay. <laughs> well, he's also very much using us as a learning resource. He knows his limitations and was really wanting, almost like hand-holding it sounded like mm-hmm. in yeah. in development. So being one-on-one or face-to-face is helpful there. Yeah. So I'm still torn. I don't know if it's location of our current office, the expense of it, the fact that somebody may not be here long term. There's so many questions. <laughs> I, I mean, again, I, I think it speaks to the to the that perception of legitimacy of your business. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can tell you, I feel so much more at ease when a client says, "Can we come to your office and have a meeting?" And we, we're like. Oh yeah, you know, come to our office. Not well. We don't have an office. Let's meet at this coffee shop, sort of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. But but again, does that really justify the expense? You know, which is which is not. You know, there's no small potatoes. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I guess it's know. something we will be figuring that out in the next few months. We will. Yeah. There's lots to figure out in the next few months. Yes, lots of fun things to figure out. But um, what's been going on with you? How was your How was your Thanksgiving? I know you're 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 vegan, right? I mean, we, we we're, yeah. we're out about that, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know you. I know you're you're vegan. How was your Thanksgiving? It was great. I, I ate like a king. I mean, I still ate way too much, like I always do. <laughs> that, that doesn't change, right? <laughs> no. Of course not, but it was great. We had uh, I had my wife's family over, mm-hmm. and it was, it was a good time. Cool, cool. Kids, kids running around, cousins just loving playing together. Yeah, it was yeah, it was good. A good one. My my mom and sister came to town. Oh really? Arizona, yeah. So nice. So we actually had had to move because we we moved our Thanksgiving from Thursday to Friday. But it was it was still good. My my daughter daughters both of them, but my one daughter especially um, has really just started to shine as a cook. I mean, she uh, she's just um, it, it has become she's beyond the the learning stage, and it's really become like this natural act for her now, and she's just really good at it. Um, and she actually cooked pretty much the entire. Thanksgiving dinner. Um, she did a great job. So I'm a, I'm a fan of her cooking. Like I look forward to when she makes dinner because it's like it's going to be something you know that I, I'm going to enjoy. <laughs> see, now I have to have my vegan talks with her and see if I can get her to. No, don't to you cook ruin better. my. Don't you ruin my chef, man. Maybe she could be an amazing vegan chef for you and get you to go plant based. There's no such thing. Come on. <laughs> you're an ass but yeah I, we're having quite the little ordeal here in our little town of Poway um, you know where I live is, is pretty north of San Diego uh, it, San Diego County itself yeah <laughs> San Diego County which when people typically say they live in San Diego they're talking about San Diego County but San Diego County is massive I mean we have like Currently, right now in San Diego County, you can be on the beach where it's about you know seventy degrees, or you can be in the mountains where there's snow in the ground today, or you know? or in the desert, or in the desert. Yeah, and this is all San Diego County. Yeah, but uh, we live in this. It's it's a, a little city. It's the, so this is how recent. This is how small the town I live in is. It didn't become a city until nineteen, like in the eighties, like before then it was unincorporated. Um, so it's you know just a fairly young city as far as cities go, and uh, but as this kind of weird 
turn of events, we're one of the few cities in San Diego County that has its own water supply. Like most of the people who are supplying water in San Diego all get it from the same place, but we actually get uh, our water supply separately. It, it's a benefit. It's, it's a curse. And this week it's been a curse. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was a whole. That's an Flint, understatement. <laughs> it's a whole Flint, Michigan way of life out here right now. Um, you know, our water supply has been contaminated. Well, it, it actually hasn't. Uh, there was some question about the water supply. Like uh, this is like the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So. Uh, yeah, Saturday after Thanksgiving, my mom and sister were leaving when all this went down. Um, there was some question about some contamination. Now, all the testing they've done from from the moment that they, there was some potential issue to today has always come back clean. But you know, it's a process before they can. They have to eliminate everything before they say it's okay to drink. So, right now we're still like boiling water, and and it's so funny because. Yeah, like I said, they they still have like this small town mentality where like people are posting on Facebook, you know, if you need water, if you need blankets or food, you know, come to our house. It's like, what do you? We live in the, this is a first world country. Just drive to the next town and get water. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's not that big of a deal. You know, of course they're they're giving away water at like these uh, you know locations like City Hall. And people are, like, just talking about the traffic. And even my wife, she was like, you know, we've got to get down there early. I'm like, I'm not standing in line for water. I will drive to the next town and buy water like a normal I'll, person. I'll, I'll, I'll drive 20 minutes. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's not like I'm driving three hours up the state to get. It's like, I, I drove further than that to get you Arby's the other day. Are you kidding me? So. <laughs> So this has been fun, though. I mean, it's like it, it, it's sucks. our office is here in Poway, and uh, because of this water issue, now we bottled water at the office, but because of the water issue, all the restaurants are closed. They've they've been ordered to shut down, so there are no restaurants open in Poway, and that's an inconvenience. I, that was what was confusing when I was coming in the other day. I'm like, hey, you want Starbucks? And you said it's closed. I'm like, why is it going to be closed? You have to boil the water. They they heat that water up <laughs> to make to make coffee. That's a good point. I have, I have no idea. That's, that's an excellent point. Have you ever tried drinking some of that coffee? It's so freaking hot. Oh, man. But, I never, yes. That never even occurred to me. So, yeah, you, you said that, and I'm at a red light, so I'm like, okay, I'm trying to order Starbucks, and it's like, a mobile ordering not available at this location. I'm like, ah, he was right. <laughs> I know. I, I actually drove to the next town over yesterday morning to Starbucks because I just, it, it had been so long since I'd gotten uh, good coffee. And, um, and I, I come to find out that a lot of people have figured out, out the solution of just driving to the next town because that <laughs> Starbucks was packed, man. Oh my goodness. Uh. Yeah, but your your mayor of your little podunk town was on NPR talking oh, about how he? he's he still drinks the water. Like he thinks this is he thinks this is ridiculous, and they just had a, a state inspector at the water plant like a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and whatever they're being cited for, like I guess the water plant now has to go through some massive upgrade mm-hmm. because of the storm drain that is right next to the reservoir. <laughs> They have, they have to get that all cleaned up. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about some coding because we're we spend a lot let's of time talk, on power. Let's talk code. I'm, I'm I'm driving around, dropping my kids off at school this morning, and get a message from a client. Hey, are you around by chance? Well, I'm dropping my my kids off at school. Uh, I think one of your your pull requests is causing issues in production now i'm like in my mind i'm like we tested this back and forth there's no way what is going on and he it's all around it's a when you make a phone call from their contact management system you have the ability to set a a uh, basically a webhook 
so we can fire off to your system to say, hey, one of your people is is starting a, a call to this contact. Mm. And all I did was refactor it a tiny bit. It's not like I did anything crazy. It's this was step one, a refactor so that I can add data later and have tests around it because mm. it was hor- horrible before, right? And he says, if I have this API set up, it fails. If I don't, it works. Which points to my pull request that I just did. Right. Wait, that makes no sense. So I dropped my kid off. I was going to run a couple more errands. I didn't. Came back. Got right into work on it. And we were on the phone for a couple hours. We found out how to fix it rather quickly in production. It doesn't sound rather quickly if it took a couple hours. Well, we were able to put a patch in while mm-hmm. trying to figure out the the root cause of it. Gotcha. It, okay. it, the root cause wasn't my pull request at all. Okay, that's good to hear. <laughs> the root cause would never have been caught in dev in in any sort of development environment okay. because it was okay. because it was there, there were a couple of things that happened. Another developer friend of the show Tim Lytle <laughs> trying to trying I, to improve friend of the show <laughs> <laughs> try trying to improve the code base introduces middleware ah middleware lovely middleware you think hey eh, he's introducing middleware what's the big deal well when you have other code that relies on the way the system worked before that can cause issues so in in a handful of places we we shut down the connection like and shut down output buffering spit out whatever content we have close the http connection and can continue processing i do this at that api point because i need to hit your api to say a call is happening but i also need the web server or the website to be functional Mm. right so i shut down basically they start a call i need the browser to continue and work where they can take notes and do whatever they need to do while hitting your api now you would say well put that into a worker i had done that originally a couple years ago uh, but people needed it more real time and we had one big client where their api took like two seconds to respond which backed up all the jobs. So it wasn't right. anywhere near real time. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, oh, I got this. I'll do an async request, cl- close the connection, and let it keep working. No big deal. Well, in doing that, you send the output. And I just waited for the request to finish and then returned. Well, now with the middleware, it got the response of basically a blank, blank response, which... Mm-hmm. The uh, the H- the HTTP response object, the server response object, uh, through an exception because output had already happened. So then it would go up the chain oh, with okay. with the exception being with the exception being thrown. Now it was trying to output a we're sorry, uh, our texts have been notified. You know that type of messaging. Right, right, right. Yeah which continued to break things (laughs) but it would not have happened in development and here's where it gets here's where it gets really crazy in production it's being thrown onto aws with load balancers in front Mm -hmm. the load balancer has the ability to upgrade to http2 and we weren't specifying 1.1 okay so in the HTTP2 specification, I'm sending back, here's the content length, here's the content. Then later on, when, when all this exception crap happened, we were outputting more data, which basically broke HTTP2 and said there's a protocol violation. Really? <laughs> so in development, in development, we don't have all that fanciness. We just have an Apache server, right? Right, right. <laughs> so it's not being upgraded to HTTP2. <laughs> That, so it was like I, that's the first time I've heard something like that. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it was just this weird mix of things. And at the same time, like, okay, we know what happened. I throw an exit. So I, I close the connection. I now wait for the async call to happen and then exit. Everything works fine. Mm. Tim already had a pull request open that basically did that same thing, but back at the the error handler, the, the catch blocks. It was like, hey, if you mm. get this error, just exit and you're done. But we couldn't recreate it reliably in all environments. So even though we, we knew what it was, if you test it on this domain, we always saw the error. And if we tested on another domain, we didn't always. It was just, it was mind boggling and frustrating at the same time. And is that because of the because some of the domains weren't behind HTTP two or no? We were hitting it with curl so that you can. Act, that's how we actually saw the you know the upgrade to HTTP two. We saw the protocol violation because in the browser you didn't see any of this. It basically right. returned a, a blank response. And in one of the cases, we saw that it only returned a partial JSON block before the the error happened. So we still don't know how that happened <laughs> and why in some instances it returned no data. Other instances it returned the data, but still had the error. Mm-hmm. So there were, there was nothing consistent, nothing that we can point to, to, to say for 100% sure this will fix it. So in the end we reverted in the middleware for now until things could get stabilized and we could do more testing, which sucks. I mean, we've been trying to get middleware in there for a year now. <laughs> and and it gets in there and gets reverted. And I, I hate that feeling. I know, I'm sure Tim was bummed, but I hate having PRs reverted. <laughs> Especially when you know you know that you have the fix there, but because you can't, 100% sure say it's fixed, it can't be accepted. Well, and, and so this has always been one of the things that terrified me is something like that. You said that the middleware had been put in for a while, right? No, it hadn't oh. been. It oh, happened to go live. It went live last night with my API refactor. Oh, okay. All right. All so right. Multiple, multiple things went live. Both of them tested tons in development. Mm. Everything everything tested fine. So, again, you, it was a weird situation there of everything colliding at once with this HTTP2 piece being put in there. Right. And this is why <laughs> so we do deployments on uh, Friday. Yeah, right? that is true. Uh-huh. Yeah, what a pain. The the worst part is, you know, companies as big as this client rely on stability. You know, you mm-hmm. start having bad bad days, and you, oh. your your users start getting freaked out, and they threaten to leave. But mm-hmm. you know, you try to make it better. Well, it just happened in the past two weeks. We've had two major days of issues, and their their product is all around phone calls. So when your phone calls sound bad, you have issues. So right. you have you have these two days in the past two weeks, and then this one, it's like no, we we have to be one hundred percent sure before we are are confident in this. So because we're not, even if we're ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure, we have to revert, right. and that's basically that's basically where it landed. It it got reverted. Everything was fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fun days. On Fundings. Did you uh let's talk let's talk about something I know you love talking about is um is uh code editors. Uh did you happen to see JetBrains announcement today? I did not. So I know how much I drive you crazy with my love for multiple code editors. I, I am I am a not a monogamous uh developer. I, I'm uh, very much you know, into other other editors. And I have given some serious thought about this lately. I'm really concerned because of the 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 environments that have been set up now that 
our beloved JetBrains and PHP Storm will start to fall. I, I honestly feel like it's already starting to fall behind uh, VS Code. It's going to fall behind further. I, I see. Um, I see extension developers like flocking to VS Code, and so many good extensions on VS Code that just aren't available on PHP Storm. Um, you know, we've talked in the past about the uh, the live share, the pair programming that they have in uh, VS Code, and there is a commercial uh, extension version for it for PHP Code, uh, PHP Storm, but or, or just JetBrains in general. All, all their IDEs are kind of the same. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like you know, it, it did, didn't work as well. You had to pay for it and all that. And then uh, I was going through it uh, like last week, and I noticed. I had forgotten I had this GitHub uh, extension. I'm like, shoot, what's this thing do again? I forget. And I clicked on it, and I came to the realization that I can actually manage pull requests through VS Code. I'm like, this is actually really nice. It's like, this is super nice. So I, I saw you tweet about that. Yeah, because I, you, you, you know, obviously, yeah. but I work on multiple projects where I'm responsible for doing code review on multiple different projects. And it was just so nice to have all those projects defined in VS Code and just clicking between them, looking at all the pull requests, as opposed to going to GitHub and clicking around because some are in our repos, some of them are in client repos, and you're constantly having to bounce all around. I just have it all configured in VS Code. So, uh, so I, I've been finding myself starting to gravitate back to VS Code. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of actually fighting using it as my code editor because I'm saying I'm. I just keep saying no, no, no. I'm just going to stick with PHP Storm because I spent a lot of time getting PHP Storm configured how I want it. But I also have VS Code pretty much configured the same way. It didn't take me nearly as long to do it. <laughs> so I, I, I still don't I still know the, the the big the big thing that always drew me to PHP Storm was the conflict resolution when I pulled down uh branches off of GitHub. Uh, PHP Storm hands down had the best conflict re- resolution. Now I haven't done that in VS code yet. Um, I'm curious what that looks like because when I do the, uh, when I do the code reviews, it's just like, uh, it's just like the GitHub website where I have a side by side. It shows me what's been added, what's been taken away, which is how the, uh, conflict resolution works in PHP storm. So if they have that sort of same conflict resolution in VS code, I'm, I'm, Having less and less reasons to, to stick with it, but then okay, I just downloaded I, VS Code. <laughs> I but then they they um they uh, JetBrains had a big uh, announcement today. I'm like, all right, this is you know this is going to be cool. What's what's this what what's this going to be about? They even teased at the beginning of it of how uh, one of their longest standing requests out there has been um, pair programming, shared co- coding. And so I'm like, oh shit, they're, they're coming out with it. They're going to have pair programming. This is, this is going to be cool. I mean, it's not something I use a lot, but it's definitely one of those nice-to-haves. And you know, with a junior developer coming on, I could definitely see using it more. Um, but it ended up going down this really weird rabbit hole. So they introduced this new product that they're launching called Space. And it's like a it's like a Slack Jira sort of competitor. It's, it's like they're they're trying to fit into like this this field that's already so super crowded with with you know people doing the same thing and they're basically doing it as well. It's like there's this whole collaboration kind of suite. And as a developer and as a user of the JetBrain products, it looks appealing. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you know, there's like a million other products that do this. You know, it's, I don't know. It, but but anyways, they can launch something called Space or Spaces. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I'll send you a link, John. Uh, uh, I'm, look, I'm looking at it now. I found it. Yeah. <clears throat> 
But uh, space was born out of our own needs at JetBrains. <laughs> Which is, you know, always their 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 little hook is, you know, we built this because we had a need. It's like, oh, come on, guys. I and I'm I am curious like how tightly it integrates with GitHub because again, VS Code. I like the fact that you know I'm I'm interacting with the GitHub pull request. I'm just not on the GitHub web page. And I'm curious if this is like that. But then, then again, they throw in the whole communication Slack sort of format where it's like, oh, another Slack See, competitor? Uh, automated CICD based on the Kotlin scripting. Yeah. Planning tools, issue tracking. Yeah, it seems like it's trying to do a lot. It's just a lot of random stuff. It's like, oh, and look, you can see when people are on vacation. I'm like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> Did it really say just, that? Yeah, that that becomes a big deal. Oh, the, like, the team directory. It's all because it's yeah. all around teams and organizations. So I, I can I'm see that if you're gonna if I'm gonna assign somebody like, hey, I need this, a code review done, and they're on vacation. That kind of sucks. Yeah. And again, if you're using the tool where you're assigning the code review and that tool had the ability to tell you that that person's on vacation, yeah, it's, that's all great, but such an edge case. <laughs> yeah. It'll be yeah. interesting. Although, but, but with th- the way you talk what... about VS Code, I'm seriously thinking about giving it a try. Well, and, and this is what got me thinking about it again. It's like, you know, this is the problem. It's like JetBrains... They're like corporate now, or they they feel like they've gotten this corporate mentality where they're not, I don't know, it's like, I don't think they're out of touch with developers, it's just, I don't know, they're, they're, it's been a while since they've introduced a new feature that's been like, oh wow, that's awesome, that's an awesome feature, Uh, you know, I'm glad I have PHP Storm, whereas, it's like, it seems to be this constant thing of being produced if if it's not a new feature actually in the core of VS code it's a it's this awesome new extension that somebody's come out with I just don't see that same extension development happening in piece in jetbrain products i mean they have plugins and there's some great plugins out there but it's, i can't tell you the last time i've stumbled across a new plugin where i've been like oh this is cool you know i'm happy happy this mm-hmm. is out there Jishu says 100 bucks a month per user for Enterprise. Wow. But yeah, I think there's a free tier as well, Jisoo. Um, and the, the the tiers are around like like how many apps you can have associated to it and how many calls you can make and Yeah, that's also the, a bunch of things. That's the high that's the high end enterprise level too. Right. And there's a free tier, right? Are you looking at that? Yeah. Yeah, there's a free tier. Uh, it's around the CI credits per month. You have to, you can only do so many continuous integrations. That's weird. Uh, Yeah. I don't understand that limitation. It's like, why, why it's all automated, you know, I don't know. So they must, they're having a, they're offering a service now, kind of like, uh, Jenkins internally. I'm assuming, or scrutinizer, or any of these other yeah. other circle, any of these other ones that are doing CI/CD for you. Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, well, I don't know. Good for them. Maybe it'll work out great. But maybe. <laughs> See, JetBrains must really uh, going all in with the yeah, yeah, lots of stuff. Uh, they have a free dirt. Yeah. Yeah. For people that don't know JetBrain products, uh, they have an EAP program, which is an early access program. So JetBrain products you pay for, um, and you know, it, it, if I, for a long time, and I think I still stand behind this, I said, if you make money coding, invest in JetBrain tools. I mean, it makes, it kind of makes sense. I'm still kind of saying that, but I don't know for how much longer. But uh, but they do have an early access program where if if you've been interested, 
it, it, it always seems pretty easy to get free like year subscriptions to to JetBrain products. It's after that first year is when they get you. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then you're like, well, it's at the it's at the renewal rate. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I I might to give VS Code some some time again. And again, it's nothing against JetBrains. They're they're a great product. Uh, I just, uh, you know, and I, I've shared with you many times, John, is I, I, I do see value in being able to go to other developers who might not be able to afford stuff and say, hey, this is a strong tool to use. Uh, speaking of something that you don't have to pay for, like VS Code, being able to say, Hey, you know, I've I also use VS Code. It's very strong. You're you're talking to a professional who uses both, and I can tell you, you'll get just as much out of this as you do out of the PHP storm sort of thing. So we'll see. It seems yeah. like every year, every couple of years, there's a new new person, new new king of the hill, and um, I think JetBrains has been up there for a long time, but I don't know. I see, uh, I see VS Code. You know, been clawing its way up there for for a while. Yeah. Do you want to talk about uh, another elephant in the room? Uh oh. <laughs> uh, no. Sure. No. I'll cut it out if I don't like it. Let's talk about uh, developer burnout. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a serious thing. It's, it's, it yeah, can be no, a big it's issue. A, it's a super serious thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, well, I mean, what about you? Have you ever suffered from developer burnout? I I have. Um, I think that's probably why I ended up leaving the company I worked for in Florida. Mm. It just got to a, got to a point where, like, I gave everything to that company. Ended up working way too much and felt like I still wasn't putting in enough and just needed a break, needed something to change. And that's basically when I made the decision, okay, I'm done. I'm out and talked to Jackie and we're like, well, since this isn't our future, let's look at moving. And that's how we ended up in San Diego. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, I've since learned that I need to take care of myself. That's why I have no qualms with taking an hour and a half to two hours at lunchtime to go run and play ultimate Frisbee. Because to me, that gives me that, that break, that space, the me time. I, I have set hours that I work. I do come back in like after my kids are in bed, I'll come back in for two or three hours. Uh, especially if I have something I have to get done. Mm-hmm. But but not living at this desk. Right. And to me, that's mm. the, that's important. Having, having flexibility is great. Having like, where if you're only working a couple hours here and there and you're like, I'm fine with that because I'm going to go back in later. That's one thing. But if you're sitting at the desk more than, you know, you're eight to 10 hours a day, if, if you're there all the time, you need to take a break. Yeah. You need you need you time as well. You need to find something that makes you happy outside of coding. I know this is what we live for, but if you if you don't have something else, it's time to find something. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, and the reason you said it was elf in the room because you know it was a topic I brought up to you. Uh, yeah, I let you know that. Yeah, I and we we've had. You know, we've talked in the past, and you, you know, I have a very different work ethic. I don't want to say work ethic because it, it makes it sound like it's. I, I approach the I approach it a little differently, um, mm-hmm. and I I realize I overextend myself, which I'm okay with, uh, especially when I have people like you around because you have on many occasions said, "Hey, you know, it's time for you to take a step back." You know take a breath, work on something else, do something else. And Mm -hmm. that's been fine. And, and I've also had, I also have a very unhealthy dealing with depression. When I slip into depression, um, 
you know, I I told you, it's like I, I usually keep it to myself. I just push through it. I have this whole mind over matter thing that I try to live by. And I, it's very unpopular view with, you know, when you talk about mental illness and people with depression, but it's kind of what I've lived by and it's what's gotten me through things. And I definitely think that, you know, currently right now, it's like, um, it's probably a little bit mixture of both. There's some depression involved. You, you know, you're familiar with the grind that we've been on for the last six to eight months with a couple of projects at work that have mm-hmm. just overextended my just mentality and just thought process and enjoyment of coming into work where it's just been tough. And so now, you know, we find ourselves, it's like, you know, and I, I, this is what made me realize I was, I was slipping into this depressed, uh, burnout state was when I, 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 I had mentioned in the conversation. And then when I, I think I even mentioned it on the show, but when I rethought about what I had said, I'm like, man, that is just a terrible way to be. And what I had said was, I feel different running a business as I did as an individual contractor. Because as an individual contractor, if I got to the state where I'm at right now with a, with a client or a contract, I would have walked away. I would have said, you know what, I'm not enjoying this anymore. This is a pain in my ass. I'm leaving. As a small business owner... When that contract, when you have, you know, five, six, seven other developers dependent on that contract, you feel like this, the state of you're stuck, like you're, you're trapped. It's like, I can't walk away from this contract. You know, this contract is too important to the business. And that's what really started to spiral me down this, this path of burnout. It's just like, you know, I, we've got to push through this. We've got to do better. We got to do, and it doesn't help that like, every project management I tried to put in place to help streamline things just seems to blow up in in our face. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's just, I I just feel like I've been drowning in quicksand and it's nothing I can do or say changes that. Right. And you throw into that some other contracts while smaller, they're still important with unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. which can be super frustrating. And uh, I've been getting more involved in those conversations, trying to like set boundaries. That's another big thing is setting boundaries. Like it, it's okay to want to be available to, to clients, but it's also okay to, to take a step back and say, no, we're going to limit this a little bit. Right. Especially when it comes to like just, meeting after meeting or meetings that last hours and hours it's you gotta sit back and realize once you're on the phone for over an hour it's not productive yeah yeah so yeah i'm i'm definitely suffering from burnout um and and, you know you and i are working through that and you know i i do have a kind of a plan in place to to address it but but the reality of it is, you know, we've got to get to some milestones. We've got to get to some some turning points before I can do that because, you know, things have to get done. Things have to get done, but there's still time that you can take for yourself, either whether it's vacation where it's a week away or every day finding that time that is just you away from a computer doing something yeah. for you, doing something for you, not for anybody else. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to figure something out. I used to play racquetball, but you know, this guy I played racquetball just started to whip out on me and stopped showing up. I beat him one time, and all of a sudden he doesn't <laughs> show up anymore. You should ask him if he wants to play again. <laughs> maybe, maybe if they get the water fixed in Poway, he'd come back. See what I did there? I brought it full circle. <laughs> full circle. I like that. Good job. Good job. <laughs> oh, man. You have any code, code stuff you want to talk about before we uh, before, wrap before this we one wrap up? This up? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw. I mean, I know, I know you're not a big follower of uh, the Laravel stuff. Um, but, you know, you know, Jason J. Mac. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of J. Mac. I mean, the guy 
first off, right off the bat, is just a fantastic developer. I mean, just in its own right, he he can code like a maniac. He's the creator of Shift, so he's you know, definitely got credentials behind him as far as creating real-world applications and things like that. But um, it's because of his uh, insight to Shift, I've really I'm also a huge fan of his talks and things like that. Well, he he released a uh, interesting blog post recently where he it's called streamlining streamlining Laravel, where he kind of takes from uh, a lot of his experiences uh, and a lot of the metrics that he gets from Laravel Shift and started kind of making some suggestions on maybe where Laravel should go and uh, some features that that it should look into. Um, it's a real short short read, uh, but it's it's definitely one to get you thinking. It's this sort of stuff where I wish there was a more formal forum for it to take place, for this sort of uh, idea from a respected member of the Laravel community to post to to get a conversation going around and saying, okay. You know, do do some of these ideas have some credence? You know, do we want to discuss these things further? Um, I I, I, won't, I won't get into the whole whole thing. I mean, over things like mass assignment, where I, I I'm a fan of mass assignment, and I thought I I was actually um, I thought I was in the minority of it because if like a lot of people joke about how the first thing they do when they start up a model is they create a blank guarded array which is you know basically bypassing the whole mass assignment thing i always like the idea of security and where you know you can have some security here and i model actually having some security around mass assignment and he actually talks about that as well he's like you know he he's a fan of it he thinks it's implemented well but you know that you know so many people bypass it um and he talks about how rails uh, Rails kind of fixed this problem with with strong parameters, which I'm I'm not really sure what strong parameters are, but you know basically he gets back to mass assignment is, is a good thing. We sh- but it needs to be implemented in a way that where developers want to take advantage of it more. Um, it's I don't know, it's an interesting read. Like I said, uh, I think he's the one that talked about. Uh, some of his lessons learned, not by the the applications he's built, but by the applications he's he's failed behind, or something like that. <laughs> he, 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 I, I came across that quote recently, and it, it it just really struck me. And I can't remember if this was the blog post, but I feel like it was. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll put we'll put it in the show notes if you haven't seen it. As uh, Jason McCreary's uh, streaming Laravel, very short read. Uh, he has it up on uh, site, jasonmccreary.me. And uh, good read. I'll uh, put our show notes. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I have from a developer stuff. Cool. What about you? Anything else? Can we wrap this up? Let's wrap it up. I'm sure there's plenty oh, more there. Is. Oh, real fast. Yeah, here's the quote. It, it is this blog post. He's he's like, uh, he's talking about... Um, why he why he wrote this blog post? He talked about you know the fact that he created Shift and a lot of a lot of it was uh, motivated by maintainability through the stuff that he saw through Shift. But then he says there's also motivated by someone who has created products specific products which eventually failed, many for the reasons that became stale. It's like I, I love that I I love that concept of. Learn from me, not because I'm successful, not because I created this great product called Shift. Learn from me because I have failed so many times. I can explain to you, you know, why I failed. I I, I really love that that little segment. I, I, I like J Mac. He's such a good good guy. Um, yeah. Great person. If you, if you're ever at a conference and he's there, make sure you walk up to him and say hi because he he's very friendly. He's very outgoing. He he will not. For a moment, hesitate to say hello to you in, in conversation. So, love that guy. Okay, I'm done. Alrighty, me too. Cool, man. That was that, that was, was awesome. A, that was a good episode. All right, uh, the, that was episode 171 
of PHP Ugly. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to phpugly at reddit.com slash r slash phpugly. Until next week, keep it ugly. Keep it ugly.